the Becoming Unsilenced podcast is about awakening to the greatest potential you always were. Listen to teachings, interviews, and inspiring stories of others who have challenged the accepted, expanded possibility, and merged modern day life with ancient wisdom to discover their greatest potential. When you become fearless, you become limitless. Now be inspired by today's episode. Well, welcome to the Becoming Unsilenced podcast. And today marks the first of a kind and what we imagine to be an unfolding of regular conversations between my dear friend, Janet, and myself. We've been on a journey together and we have these inspired conversations. And one day I just said, Janet, we should share these conversations. So um, Janet, would you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll just dive into our conversation today? Certainly. Uh, My name is Janet Hudson and I'm a professional coach. And what I do is help people tame their inner chaos so that they can accomplish the things that they really want to accomplish. And here we are together today after a long journey. I mean, our journey together started about four and a half years ago Mm -hmm. and we've traveled just a, a fun path together. And we began having these conversations. Well, we've had conversations regularly for during that four years, but last fall, we began having them even more frequently, like swapping little voice messages. And those conversations, the inspiration, the ideas that came out of them is what prompted me one day to say, Janet, let's do this as a uh, conversation together. So I'm curious, like when, when you think about this journey and the conversations we're going to share, what is your hope to convey to someone who might be overhearing our conversation? Well, I think we loosely call these um, spiritual conversations because for us, what we're doing is we are deeply embedded in learning all kinds of things. And then more importantly, applying them to our individual lives. And it's the application of them where things really come alive. And you and I, you know, we have an idea, we hear the idea taught and we're all excited about it. And then the application of it then brings up all kinds of new things. So I think we're sharing always from our experience. And what I hope other people get is I have oftentimes been very intimidated by teachers. They feel like they've got life mastered. They have implemented these ideas fully in their lives. And it just feels like something that's beyond my capacity. And yet I realize it truly is a journey. That's why we use that metaphor. We're all at different stages in it. And to have a conversation between two people who are deeply engaged in that application who are fumbling and bumbling along the way, (laughs) misunderstanding, taking missteps, having a great new insight, um, and actually seeing the transformation take place in our lives. That feels real. And I think the ability to share that with other people is very exciting because I think I would absolutely 
love to hear that. You know, I would love to hear, and I have heard, I feel like, uh, you know, we started a couple years ago, we were listening to Jess Lively and she was sort of in her own spiritual journey and she would get super excited and teach certain teachers and then we would get excited. And then you could see, oh, well, she's growing and moving beyond. So that idea of listening to people that have, you know, a, a situation along that journey that you can relate to, and yet maybe they're just ahead of you or just behind you. That I feel like you can relate to that in ways that's sometimes hard to relate to an accomplished, experienced, enlightened teacher. And I use all those names with a little bit of parenthesis in them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think as some of the teachers that we've uh, uh, learned from, and you can't quite imagine them ever having a challenge in their life. To have exactly. To it's like, Although you know that they did, but yeah. And I think that, so my intention, I, I love that you shared this piece about actually bringing in the life experiences because in my journey, it, it's been this really human, like messy looking journey, um, striving to find more joy, more fulfillment, more peace, happiness in life and, and having this kind of ideal that I know is out there and hearing people talk about it, but then bringing it back to the reality of my own life and saying like, how does that mix together? Kind of feeling like there is, and even kind of sometimes experiencing this more spiritual place, um, but how do I bring that into the mix of actually living my daily life? And that's what I even see as a coach many times is people, they've started down a spiritual journey path they know the concepts they've learned a bunch of stuff about it it's kind of head knowledge but they really just can't figure out how to apply that to life to actually shift life in a different direction and so that's what I'm excited and you know we're both very open and willing to share our own experiences on the path of how how we've had to figure that out um, the messiness of, of application, but also the growth and the beauty that comes from it. Absolutely. And the enthusiasm when we'd leave each other a voice message that, hey, remember that thing that we've talked about? Well, now I'm seeing it in a whole new way. Now I realize, I think I misunderstood that, you know? I thought it meant this, but now it means that. And the willingness to just own that, you know, I, I'm changing, I'm growing. I was convinced this was the way it was. And now I see it in a much more nuanced and complex way. I just did that yesterday for you because I, I've gone through just very recently this kind of addressing a fear of money and insecurity and figuring out how to apply these spiritual um, principles, the, the, the idea of staying present, the idea that a fear is just an illusion, but it might be there to tell me something. And, and I just left you a message yesterday of saying like, wow, on the other side of that fear, 
I can see so many messages that it had for me. I can see how it was just all this creation of my own mind and how it, I could have let it stop me and freeze me in place, but yet being determined to sit with it and be present with it has allowed me to move through it to this whole new set of awarenesses. Exactly. And the example of you share that and that prompted a memory in me of a coach who had shared something with me about the idea that fear always carries an important message. And so one of the things we want to be on the lookout for is what is that core message? And then you take that wisdom, which seems very applicable, with what you brought to it, the wisdom of, hey, this is an illusion. And then your rational mind tries to fit those two together. Well, how can an illusion be carrying an authentic message? And that's the thing that happens again and again and again. And then you come back to remember, oh, my mind is always trying to make logical sense out of things that can't be fully grasped with the mind, that they are things that are experienced, they're complex, they're nuanced, they're things that you experience in different ways, you know, different part, different sensory ways, not just in this, you know, you can't squeeze it into this limited way of letting the rational mind sort it out. But it's the lit, you know, it's, it's the living out of that is when you come to embody and really know the truth of that, right? That you have this concept, and then you hear this, and then you have the lived experience of seeing how the two can be true at the same time, even though they look like that, they are apparently contradictory. Absolutely. And I think over my journey, which I would say my kind of, I started on this path probably about 10 years ago, where I had this really wake up moment uh, in the process of divorce and looking at, oh my gosh, I know I'm a single parent having to raise kids and looking at how can I change some family patterns that I saw that were really super unhealthy and like, I don't want my kids to follow this path. So that was kind of the catalyst for me diving into this journey. But some of the things I'd heard along the way was, you know, your thoughts create your reality, but then there's like, well, how do I control my thoughts? And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then there is this, okay, well, now that I see that my thoughts are helping me do this, now I become even more intense in trying to control my thoughts. <laughs> and it, it feels like almost diving down this rabbit hole of, for me, there's a lot of self-judgment and criticism along the path that I've had to move through to accept. Um, And I think this is how I got through this moment of fear this last time is accepting that there's a part of me who's really scared about some things and that's okay. And I can, I don't have to make it any different than what it is. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm have made terrible choices. It's just the human part of me. And then that begins to, and 
you've articulated that core principle of what it means to be present, to be accepting, to allowing who we are and what is happening at this exact moment. And you and I have heard that many, many times, many, many times. <laughs> and, and yet, I'm coming to really understand what that means. There's so many ways to misunderstand what it means. And yet, when you live it and you reflect on it, you begin to really know what it means to accept your, your humanness, to accept that, hey, who I've been has created this moment and I'm just going to accept it. Yes, I can change, but I can never change until that moment of fully accepting. And what shows up at that moment, that fear-based always comes from our conditioning. And, and of course, that's deeply a part of who we are as humans and what the roads we traveled before that. And that's, we arrive at this moment based on our history and yet it's the fully, fully acknowledging, being with, accepting, seeing, and not judging. You know, it's the key, seeing it without judgment. When we're able to do that, you and I have talked about this so many times, when you authentically do that, it's not a trick. When that happens, it's amazing how it just shifts and melts. And that power of presence is right there with you. And then everything looks different. It's so true. I mean, it's so true. It's almost like a magic trick. Um, but it's not a trick. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not one you can make happen, right? And yeah, it, and I think that has to be real. Yes, and our human tendency is to cr try to control and try to force it to happen. And the more intense we get on trying to force it to happen, the, the less the less it happens and I'm curious for you like how did you become able to sort out the things that the the mind was telling you and begin to see that it was just stuff that your mind was saying and not get caught up in the fact that it's true what means something about you well, I would say that was a long process of coming to understand <laughs> because I feel like I had so many stories that are just probably too long for this answer, but so many ways in which I'd made sense of the world that felt like I would know what was right and I would know what was wrong and I would have to do the right thing. But what the, the breakthrough, the insight to answer your question, I think is when I really began to understand that there was a connection in my body with the feelings and emotions that I was experiencing and the thoughts that I was having. When I really began to understand all these little, you know, mind and body connection, that we're all just all one thing, that it's it's not just true, it it's a it's a deep insight into understanding how to move in new directions. So then I began to realize, well, when I have these, I call it inner chaos, this whole set of negative emotions, that's my cue, okay? This emotion is coming from some thought. There's, you know, it's all interconnected. And therefore, there's an there's a, a opportunity here to explore this. 
So I think it was that insight and understanding the connection. Then I could realize that when I had all these judgments and tightness and resistance, that that couldn't possibly be coming from a place of deep wisdom. That couldn't possibly be coming from my most authentic self. It was coming from the mind and the mind was judging based on a whole set of other assumptions that had come before that. Does that make any sense? Or you feel like that's answered the question? <laughs> well, complete sense. But the, the word that I pulled out of there was resistance because I remember you, it's probably about nine months ago, I remember that you really started talking about looking at resistance in your life. And this is the difference between knowledge and experiencing because I heard you talking about it and conceptually I'm like yeah I think I I I understand what she's saying but but you were one step ahead of me at that time in seeing that resistance and handling it in a different way which I think has led to a lot of shifts for you in sorting this mind stuff out and I feel like I I just am really grasping now what you were experiencing then so what have you learned about resistance <laughs> it's powerful <laughs> it's ever present <laughs> it's, and it's so incredibly tricky that I think I've always recognized obvious resistance, but then I've began to realize that, well, you know, one of the things when I'm resisting, what I do is I gravitate towards something to alleviate that resistance. And sometimes that happens so quickly that you can miss it. And then you can just notice, oh, well, I'm always wanting for me, it's like, oh, well, it's so much easier to, to get organized and to plan what you're gonna do than it is to do it. <laughs> and one of the best ways to resist doing is to just think about it and plan it and organize it and refine it and anticipate what it's gonna be like whenever you get all the pieces ready so that it can unfold. So it has this resistance is so tricky because it can trick us into thinking that some of our really valuable, productive habits very effective tools for making progress in doing or working for us, but it's really becoming a hiding place. So I think for me, I began to realize what a hold resistance had had on me because it was creating this security around me. And I think I also, from another teacher, began to understand that resistance shows up in what I want and what I don't want. And when I heard that, I was like, what? <laughs> because I, I want a lot of things and I don't want a lot of things. I want the weather to be beautiful and sunny and a nice temperature that makes me comfortable. You know, I don't like cold and I don't want it to rain all day. And when I started thinking about it, those very you know, grassroots ordinary day and it just becomes commonplace to complain about a rainy day so it's bad it's, we have this whole um, 
cultural way in which we speak about that, that's when resistance began to become very real. It's almost like I had, as you said earlier, control I had created this way of being in the world and I wanted the world to conform to the ways in which I wanted it to be. And so resistance was just that. It was the building of the way that I wanted things to be in the world. And when you start addressing resistance, then you, it has, you have to let go of control, which is super scary, right? Oh, it is. And I think under resistance is the stories that we've told ourselves about things. And many of our stories, I think for me, I told some of myself, my own stories so long that they, they're not even audible in my mind, you know, when that resistance comes up as as just trying to think of an example. And so when I see resistance or not wanting to do something, I have learned that underneath that is a story that's active. And that story is usually a catastrophe story or a convincing of my my mind saying well because this happened when you did this last time you know there's no use for you to do this now it's just gonna it's just gonna end the same way and without actually looking at that resistance saying, okay, why let's pause a moment and observe that the story a lot of times goes unspoken. Absolutely. And I think that it's, it almost feels natural or it's like who we are, that it can feel so, the story can feel so real that we imagine, we can't imagine that we are creating it, that it's a practiced way of being. It's a limiting way of thinking of ourselves. It's like letting ourselves be a prisoner of the past because as you said, this had happened in the past, therefore it must be part of who I am. And therefore the implication is it can never change. And it's, you almost don't even want to see yourself say that. Because if you say it, you think, oh, that doesn't sound too logical. Do I really believe that? No, I don't really believe that. And that's resistance. You know, not wanting to see what we would think of as ugly things, irrational things. And sometimes they're childish things. And so I think resistance is layered and layered and layered. There's core issues. And so resistance is this way of keeping us, we can call it keeping us small, but in some ways it's like keeping us safe. It's like stay here and in a cage, stay here. And the cage is that form of resistance to getting out. And so instead of being a cage, it comes in the form of narrative stories, of telling us who we are, of telling us the scary things that are out there, of what's gonna go wrong. It's just this, and then you realize these are all things that are going on in the mind. The mind has so much power. And then when you can see that, 
you know, step back from it without judgment and watch, oh my goodness, look what I'm doing. This is kind of crazy. That's when you can begin to make progress. It's that getting that distance between who you really are and those crazy stories. Okay. So do you have an example of doing that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, it's, it's a part of everyday life. <laughs> well, I think I have a story that um, I am responsible and I meet my obligations. And so anything that would come up that I needed that somebody else was expecting of me, I had to do it. I mean, I cannot tell you how much of my life I have spent meeting other people's expectations because that's what responsible people do. And I'm responsible. I, I, um, you know, I don't create trouble for people. I, and so therefore, if people need something done, then, then I will do it because I'm a nice person. I help people. I don't cause trouble and I'm responsible. Don't those all sound amazing? <laughs> those are amazing stories. Well, and they also sound like things that we're taught. Exactly. Like our culture teaches that that's responsible. Exactly. And so it, it's not, and that gets where you, then it introduces the idea that there's not good and bad. Everything is much more complicated. But for the example of this around resistance, those were stories about who I was. So whenever all of a sudden I had way more to do than I could possibly do, or when I was feeling very resentful that I had to do all these things for other people, I didn't have any time left to do for myself. And I had to work seven days a week because I could barely keep up with what I had to do, but I had to be nice and I had to be responsible and I had to meet my obligations. You know, it just creates this vicious circle and the resistance is there to stop me from changing it. Because if I change it, then all of a sudden those stories don't make sense. And then a great fear comes. I won't be okay if I violate this idea of who I am. And of course, what can move us from that? Pain and suffering, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's pain and suffering. Wake up. Because at some point you begin to think like that, you know what? I'll just, I'll just take the risk. I'll just, people will have to think terrible things about me, but I can't keep going on like this. And then when you're willing to, to suffer the consequences and quit suffering over here, all of a sudden a light comes on, a path opens. And you have that experience of, oh, I just created that whole crazy scenario in my head it was it was true for me it wasn't true for the world around me the world didn't collapse things life goes on and I have a little more space and it's those insights that happen again and again and again that give you that lived experience of knowing hey hey and you get familiar I, I like to call it perpetual roommate you get familiar with this thing that's living in you that's constantly telling you who you are and what you should do and when you get wise to that, then there's potential for a very different life. Oh, it frees up creative space around mm. you where you're no mm. longer just taking the marching orders of the gremlin in your head. Exactly, exactly. And then that when you open yourself up to that creative force, 
that you know, that we know, that we think of is that connected force that put, that's, that's a part of everyone, that's a part of everything in the universe that connects you with that divine power, that complete and whole knowledge and wisdom. Then you start thinking, wow, why have I always blocked myself from this? And then we think we've got it mastered. <laughs> Right. Until all of a sudden there's, oh yeah, there's this other story that I have and there's this next thing. And that's the process of melting away that structure that resistance in some ways has built to, you know, to keep us imaginedly safe and it's breaking free of it that you experience true freedom and true contentment and that abiding peace and joy. Yeah. And let me come back to the example that I used for my, my own life about this fear around money, because one, some of my um, stories that I had always told myself is if, if you were doing the right thing, then things are going to work out, you know, in a positive, successful manner, how I define um, success and so if things aren't working out that you're doing the wrong thing and if the the and, and i i so deeply had my identity entrenched to my finances so when i go back 17 years ago or and i think about the different financial ups and downs that i had through my life i can see how i totally felt like my value and worth as a human being was equal to my bank account. But even when my bank account went up, I never quite felt like it was as, <laughs> as, as great as it was. And this last six months, the, I guess partially this whole business entrepreneurial journey for me has blown apart a lot of those stories. And then you have to begin to see well, who am I without the stories? Who's the real me underneath that? And it's been so freeing for me to understand that, you know, what I have to contribute to the world, my wisdom, my, um, what I'm, my purpose is not tied to the value of my bank account. It's not tied to debt that I may or may not have. It, it has nothing to do with that. that are, those are all stories that I created because of some circumstance in the past. And what that's allowed me to do is all those stories kept me striving in a way, trying to do something that I thought was going to generate the result that was going to prove that I was valuable and stripping that all the way leaves me to be able to say I can honor the creativity that that I have and that I'm here to share and it's given me so much freedom to actually be who I am, which interestingly enough is going to 
open my voice because the the name of this podcast becoming unsilenced is what it's all about for me but it opened my voice to a deeper level to be able to speak from a place not driven out of the fear of money which I, I don't know it even sounds goofy when I'm saying it out loud but I'm guessing there's other people out there who who have the same thing happening for them right now well Vicki just in that few minutes you summarized a, a deep, deep, deep wisdom that has come through this journey that we keep talking about. And just that ease at which you express that vulnerability, that previous understanding of who you thought you were and that realization of who you are and how you can serve from that place of who you really are is an example of why we're so excited about this because it's, it's made a real difference in both of our lives. And when you experience that awakening process, that transforming process, you can't keep silent, right? That's right. You have to be unsilenced. And this is an example of how we went all over the place with this conversation and it all seemed very relevant, right? And this is an example, I think, of what we want to do right, is have this conversation, how these ideas come to us, and how we reflect back on the journey that we've had. And there's all kinds of obstacles still in our way, but we know that we're about the process of opening up and taking them on. Exactly. And we've both, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for, I think, for both of us right now, have let go of so much of the shame that was involved in keeping us silent because shame keeps you silent. And I can think back the shame that came to me at different points in times in my life when my bank account wasn't what I thought it should be and my my worth was down and the shame was just felt so big. And uh, I, I feel like we've both stripped away so much of that shame that that we can be here and share our wisdom and our, our light for other people to, you know, hold it on their path and help them see um, how we're taking these things and translating them into life and to living a more joyful life. I mean, my life is so much more joy filled today, even in the midst of uncertainty of my dad being very sick and, um, you know, pivoting my business in another way, kind of yet again. And, but we can have that anchored joy in the midst of uncertainty. And I think in the past, I was always looking for circumstances to line up perfectly to have that joy. And now I see that's, that's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a great place to end Vicki with this. I think we've each pointed out what we once thought this was true. And now we've come to understand it in a different way. And I think that's a lot of what we're going to continue to, to bring out, right? Absolutely. That things we once thought and there are going to be things like that now in the future they'll we will have in we think we know now and we'll come to see them differently in the future and we're open to that a year from now we'll be sitting here saying wow new <laughs> things that we didn't know a year ago when we when we started this 
So yeah, Janet. So as you think about the path that we've woven today, is there any kind of final or key reflections that you want to just emphasize? Well, I think that that's just it. That it's never static. It's very dynamic. And it's something that words can never truly express. In fact, words often confuse us. Words are pointers. And our conversation is filled with words. But at the same time, it is a deeply lived experience. And the only way we can share the lived experience is with words. Yeah. You're right on. And I'm honored to be here with you today having these conversations. I think everybody needs a Janet in their life. <laughs> <laughs> and a Vicki. And thank you for letting me guest on your podcast. I've yes. Been it's been a fun this, experience. I look forward to it. We plan on this being a monthly conversation that we share together. And who knows if our audience likes it. Maybe we'll do it more than that. But um, I, it's been a, a joy to have you on the journey and to have someone who I know is at that same. When I reflect a, a difficulty that I have, you're going to reflect back the inspiration that I need to keep on moving. And that's what we intend to do here and have now kind of charted our course uh, with this initial episode. So thank you all for being here. Thank you, Janet, for being here. And we'll look forward to seeing you the next time around. Have a awesome. great journey. Bye-bye. Thanks for being along for today's episode. Show us your love by sharing it with a friend and have an inspired day.